0: called living beneath
1: the surface it's looking at really the the whole of philippians and we're just in chapter one we're still in chapter one we're going to be moving into chapter two after this week but we what do you mean living beneath the surface george what what are you talking about there well here's what i find i find for a lot of us and that includes myself we basically live on the surface. We don't really get too deep into the Christianity thing, and there's reasons for that, and I'll talk about the reasons for that in a minute. But we just kind of live on the surface, and, we, and it's kind of a touchy-feely place where we feel good about our minimal involvement in the things of God, and we just kind of live on the surface. But it's also a place of frustration. It's also a place where you can get easily bored. With church or with God. And we're talking, we've been going through this letter to try to help you to see that you need to get beneath the surface of just surface Christianity and get deeper into your relationship with God. Get deeper into your relationship with God. And so today we're going to talk about a different way of life. We're going to talk about, if you're going to go deeper, it's going to mean a different way of life. Now, here's the problem. As soon as I say that, I already know, because I've been there, you will already have something well up inside of you saying, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't doing that, because you've got in your mind what that means. You have in your mind a concept of what it means to, quote, live for God. And so let me explain to you what that might be. You might be here thinking in your mind and in your heart that when George talks about living for God, that means i got to start walking around with a Bible. Okay? i got to start walking around with my Bible, start carrying it to work, break it out at break time. Have it with me all the time. At lunch, read my Bible, okay? You think in terms of i got to carry my Bible all the time. The other thing you might be thinking is is that it means that you got to start talking like a Holy Joe. You know what I mean by a Holy Joe? You've seen them at work. They're the real spiritual guys at work. They always talk about church and stuff. Then they turn around and curse at the most craziest stuff, but they're the Holy Joes. And so you think you've got to act like that. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, that you have to change into somebody weird? That's what our fear is, is that that means I've got to start being weird. That's why we like living on the surface with our Christianity, because we've got this concept of going deeper means getting weird. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that if you start living for God, that all of a sudden you have to change your job. What do you mean? Well, he's going to want me to be a missionary to Africa or Asia. God does call people to do that. For most of you, he probably won't. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm going to show you here in a moment what I'm talking about. It's actually something so much more fulfilling for you because when you get beneath the surface, Christianity ceases to be boring. Christianity ceases to be, well, I don't know that I need it this week. No, it actually becomes meaningful. It becomes meaningful to your life. So let's take a look at it. But before we take a look at it, let's talk about why we're so hung up with living on the surface. And I refer to it as egocentric lifestyles. We're talking about changing the way you live a different way of life. Let's talk about the way of life we have right now. And it's basically an egocentric lifestyle. Here's what I want you to see. First thing. Christianity is seen as one component of many in our lives. See, when you have an egocentric lifestyle, let me just stop for a moment. Ego. What is that? Well, that is a word that refers to me. When you have a me centered lifestyle, you're going to see everything as components of what you can pick and choose to be a part of. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to pick and choose stuff. And so Christianity becomes one component. And for most people, this is what Christianity is. Sunday at 1045 until noon. That's Christianity. It might be A few seconds before every meal, praying. But then you've got other parts of your life. You've got, if you're in school, your school component and who you are at school. Or your work component. Let's say you're not in school anymore, you work. You've got your work component. Then you've got your clan or your family because, you know, we're in an area where people do stuff with their families all the time. And you are who you are with your family. Then there's you in the neighborhood. You're either the real misfriendly, friendly happy person in the neighborhood or you're the mean grouch that everybody won't go near in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Don't let your cat go over there. They won't come back. See, you've got different components. Egocentric life, you've got who you are in all these different areas. I've just named a few. You probably have more areas of that. Who you are with your buddies, who you are by yourself. And Christianity is seen as just one component of many. Just one of many things. And we try to balance them all, and sometimes they interfere. Sometimes the other parts of our lives interfere with our Christian lives. And, and that's when you live on the surface. You understand? When you live on the surface, things start having greater priority in your life. You all of a sudden don't need him on that day because something else came up. Something else came up. So let me notice the second thing about egocentric lives. It escapes us that our faith must impact our entire life it escapes us that our faith must impact our entire life I call this the North American syndrome what are you talking about George well here's the thing I've been around the world and seeing Christians around the world met Christians from around the world I have been to places, and people have been with me, and I have been to places, and I hear this all the time. I hear this one statement. I've heard it now for 30 years as a believer. Why doesn't God do that here? When you go over there and you see their faith and you see how they love God and how they love each other and the things that they're doing and the miracles that are happening and God doing things and God showing himself mighty among people around the world in the churches and you look come back here to the United States and you say, why doesn't God do that here? Well, I can tell you it's this issue right here. It's the fact that it's escaped you and I that our faith should impact our entire lives, not just one component. So remember when I told you the first thing? It's just for us, on the surface, it's just one component. But that's not what faith is supposed to be. Faith is supposed to impact all of your life. Your faith in Jesus should impact you at work. Your faith in Jesus should impact you in your home. Your faith in Jesus should impact you with your friends. Your faith in Jesus should impact you when you're impatient, waiting for the clerk at Walmart and the light is flashing and nobody is responding. Your faith in Jesus should impact you. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we think faith is just one component. The reason why we don't see God working the way he does work in other places is because it doesn't impact all of our lives. We don't even think in terms of that. See, that's an egocentric lifestyle. So can I make this statement? You write this down. Jesus didn't die on a cross for an hour and 15 minutes of your time a week. Can I say that again? Jesus didn't die on a cross for an hour and 15 minutes of your time a week. That's reality. You're saying, that's pretty harsh, George. Well, isn't that what we've reduced him down to? We've reduced our faith in Jesus down to an hour and 15 minutes being here. Isn't that good enough? No, it isn't. It isn't good enough. Because Jesus paid for you, all, all of you. He bought you with a price, the price of his salvation. I mean, the, the price of salvation, his life on the cross. He bought all of you. He deserves all of you. So you, we're going to look today and see what Paul talks about as he tells the Philippians about a different way of living, a different way of life. And we're going to see a radical call because what he's going to ask us is, can I be honest with you, because we all live on the surface, is going to seem radical. But listen, it's not going to be go go to Africa. And it's not going to be carry your big Bible. It's not going to be you become weird. It's actually going to be something that you'll see may actually bring fulfillment to your life. So notice with me. Let's look together. Verses 27 through 30. Here's what he says. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a sign of perdition, but to you of salvation And that from God. For to you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Having the same conflict which you saw in me, and here, now here, is in me. Here's what we're gonna do, folks. We're gonna look at this radical call, first of all, in verses 27 and 28. And I'm gonna tell you, it's radical because we don't think in terms of this, but this is what He's calling us to. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you, this call is mentioned three times by Paul in his letters. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you walk worthy. So this is something he's wanting us to see. So what is it? Look with me. Paul calls believers to live and act like Christians. Live and act like Christians. Look at specifically what he says here, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. You need to live your life like somebody who got saved from their sin. That's what the gospel is, isn't it? The gospel is Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sin so that you would have forgiveness, that you would be reconciled to God, that you would have a new relationship with him. Now the thing is, is he's saying to you, you got to live your life. That's what it's talking about here, walk. Walk is talking about the manner in which you live your life. You have to live your life in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. Now let me just stop for a moment. Immediately some of you are going to think, okay, All right, well, I can't go to Applebee's anymore. No. Don't go to Applebee's for the cholesterol, but that's not what I'm talking about. See, we used to in our churches tell you, you can't go here, can't go there because of the issue of sin. That's not what he's talking about. He's not telling you to go live by a bunch of rules. He's talking about the reason why you're living your life is Jesus, and so you don't do things because you're trying to please Jesus. What I am trying to tell you to do is, is you need to live like who you are. What do you mean who I am? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God. Start living like it. He died for you. He gave his life for you. Start living like it. You know what that means. You know what bothers him, because he tells you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know what he convicts you about. The Holy Spirit's right there convicting you about that. He knows the attitudes that you need to get rid of. You need to get rid of them. Start living like him. Do you understand what I'm saying? He calls us to live and act like Christians. He's not calling you to be weird. He's just telling you, live for the one who died for you. Period. That should cover every area of your life. Every area. Not just the hour and 15 minutes on Sunday, but how you are at work. How you are with your family. How you are with friends. How you are when nobody else is looking. Paul calls us to live and act like Christians. Now, he's going to flesh that out. What does that mean to live and act like Christians? Well, I think it's interesting because the Bible just doesn't tell you something and expect you to figure it out on your own. It oftentimes will tell you, if you read a little bit further, what you need to do. So he tells us three things here that we need to do from these passages. Here's the first one look with me. That you stand fast in one spirit. Now, what's he talking about? You. It's a plural you, it's not just singular. He's talking about them as a group of Christians that they stand fast in one spirit. What's he saying here? Here's the second point. We are to stand together through the spirit. Now he's saying, if you're going to live like a Christian, that means you need to be a part of a, a group of Christians and together, you stand fast. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean I got to stand on this position or that position? No, that's not what it's talking about. When it's talking about standing fast, it's like, how many of you, I love going to the beach, okay? I'm probably the only one in my family that loves going to the beach, but I love going to the beach, okay? And 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 because and I, I remember as a kid going down to the Edisto Island in South Carolina, spending whole weeks at the beach camping. And I remember the waves would come and you would get out there and you would brace yourself because that big wave is coming and you would stand fast and I would knock you for a loop. Especially if you're a skinny kid like I was back then, not now. I could probably stand against it now. But there it is, you're standing fast in the onslaught of what's coming. Here's what I'm saying. All right, let's stop for a moment. Listen to what I'm saying. How many of you had a perfect week this week? no problems no difficulties no struggles anybody here like that good cuz the rest of us are normal and stuff happens right right but sometimes stuff happens that you can't handle right some, and a lot of times stuff happens that you can't handle. And sometimes it's not even that it's a big thing. Sometimes it's like one little thing after another. It's a culmination of a lot of stuff happening. And you don't know how much more you can take. He's telling them to stand fast together in the Spirit. What do you mean by that, Lord George? You as believers have the Holy Spirit within you. And the Holy Spirit empowers you to be there for each other. He gifts you to be there with gifts to help each other. That's what he's talking about. Living for God, living for him is that I get out of the focus of myself and I start thinking about standing fast together in this church. So hey, we just had a bunch of names mentioned this morning of people who are hurting in our church physically. This has been a wild week. Are you praying? God lays it on your heart to send a card? Are you sending a card? Are you visiting? I don't know that I got the time for that, George. Well, if you're egocentric, you don't have the time. But if you're others, if you're thinking about living for God, you might have the time to be there for others. See, We're to stand firm together in the Spirit. Here's the second thing he talks about. Look with me. Verse 27. Actually, verse, yeah. With one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Here's the second thing. We're to press on together for the gospel. See, if you're going to live for God, can I be honest with you? What needs to be motivating you is not standing fast together in the spirit, but also pressing on together for the gospel. What does that mean, George? Pressing on so that other people hear about Jesus. That's why we're here, folks. We are not here to have a holy huddle every Sunday morning. Kerbinsville Christian Church does not exist for you to just be a part of a group of people that you like. Kerbensville Church, Kerwinsville Christian Church exists to reach people with the gospel because we know that they need Jesus. And we know that without Jesus, there is a godless eternity facing them. We know that right now, Jesus can help them through the things that they're facing. Or do we know that? Or do we know that? Because that's why we're here. That's what we say we're here for. That's what's in our documents. That's why this church was planted so many years ago, is to reach people with the gospel. But we sometimes get comfortable with the holy huddle, don't we? But that's living on the surface. If you're going to get beneath the surface, you've got to start thinking in terms of, I'm not here for me, I'm here for others who are here with me, and we're all working together to see other people come and join the family. We're to press on together for the gospel. Here's the third thing about living for him, a different way of life. We're not to be terrified by the opposition that we will face. We are not to be terrified by the opposition that we will face. If you want to, circle that word, will. Because you will face it. Not everybody's going to be happy with your Jesus. Not everybody's going to be happy with your faith. Not everybody's going to be happy about that you're living your life for God. And because of that, you're going to face some opposition. You need to understand that. But here's what he's saying. When you're living for God, you're not going to be terrified by it. What do you mean? I'm scared of that. No, you don't need to be. In fact, he spends verses 28, 29, and 30 telling us why we shouldn't be afraid. I want you to see what he says. Look with me now. As we look at the issue of understanding our suffering, here's what he says, verse 28. Those that oppose and persecute believers only ensure their destruction. That's the first point there. Those that oppose and persecute believers only ensure their destruction. Notice what he says there, verse 28 in the Bible which is to them a proof of perdition. What does perdition mean? Well, it's a proof of doom. It's a proof of suffering punishment. That's what he's saying here. It is a proof of perdition. See, what you need to understand is, is that as you live your life for Jesus, not everybody's going to be happy about it, and people are going to oppose you, and that's only a proof of their doom. What do you mean by that? Because they're rebelling against God. They don't want God in their life. Because they don't want God in their life, they're going to oppose anything about God. And if you belong to God, of course they're going to oppose you. But see, when they oppose you, it's only proof that their judgment is coming for them. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? Here's the second thing he says about understanding our suffering. And here's what you need to grasp. This is the one... We're going to spend some time. About. Here's what he says. Look with me at verse 29. For it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake. Whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute, George. I don't like the way that says that. Are you sure? You're not reading the right translation, are you? No, it's in every translation. Well, that's not what I heard on TV, because what I hear on TV is God wants me to be healthy and wealthy, and God wants me to have all kinds of problems. If I have enough faith and I'll never have any difficulty, everything will be gravy trained from here on out. Yeah, but that's not what the Bible says. That's what the dude on TV said, as he's waiting for you to send him the check for100 dollars, so that he is wealthy and healthy and you're 100 dollars poor. Do you understand? Here's what I want you to see, what the Bible says that you and I need to realize about the Christian life. Here's what it says. Look at what it says there. For it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Here's what I want you to see. Suffering for your faith is a part of being a believer. Suffering for your faith is a part of being a believer. Whoa, wait a minute now, because when somebody told me about Jesus and I prayed that prayer, they told me that once I prayed that prayer, everything would be okay. I'm sorry they lied to you. Because experience should tell you that that's not true. Because if you came to Jesus, you probably would have sensed that all of a sudden more stuff started happening that was wrong more difficulties arose. Because suffering here is not just suffering from other people, it's also suffering from a very real enemy, that's Satan. And he's opposed to God, and he's opposed to the people of God. Wait a minute now, George, you want me to get off of the surface, and you know, those first couple things, I kind of got it there, you know, hey, you know, standing together together, In in the spirit, yes, I got that. And and striving together with one mind for the gospel, I got that. But hey, this suffering thing, are you sure about that? Yeah, I am sure about that. Because here's the reality. Whether you live for him or not, you're going to suffer. Listen to me. I'm going to say it again. Whether you live for him or not, you're going to suffer. Does everybody understand that? You live in the real world. I mean, think about it. Three, four Sundays ago, Houston, Texas, people were worship there, worshiping there not thinking anything was going to be different, did they? Now, their homes are underwater, wondering how they're going to make it. Did all of a sudden somebody decide to be mad at Houston? No. It's the world we live in. You don't know what's coming. But you do know who you can live for. But see, if you're on the surface, I'll tell you, when the stuff happens, you get mad at God. But see, when you live deeper for God, he's the strength that you have to face what you're going to face. He didn't call you to a cushy life. Can I tell you when the cushy life comes? It's called heaven. It's heaven. It's a different way of life. So here's my question for you. Are you tired of living on the surface? Hopefully you are. Go deeper. He will help you. Go
0: deeper. Thank you for being with us this morning.